I want to talk about theology, which might be a good thing at a church. Um, but what is theology? It's a, well, the definition is pretty simple. It's just the study of God. Um, and Pastor Micah, through his last few sermons, has been uh, studying and talking uh, through the idea of uh, God as Father. And a question uh, that I would like to explore today and talk about is, how are we able to know God as Father in the first place? How are we um, able to, how, how we are able to know God is through uh, forms of revelation. So what kind, what, what types of revelation are there? Actually, who wants to define what revelation is? first. Pardon? Yes. So, revelation is when God reveals himself. Um, and so, there's two types of, there's two large categories of, gen of, of revelation. Uh, what are they? The last book in the Bible. The last book in the Bible. Um, well, kind of. <laughs> Creation, yeah. Yes, I heard someone say it. Someone said general revelation. So, um, uh, general revelation is uh, non-specific um, things that God um, shows us, such as through, re through revelation, duh, through, um, through creation. That would be a form of general revelation. Um, what can we learn from... Uh, from creation. Well, we know that God is creative. We know that he is a creator. We know that he is beautiful, uh, that he is complex. Um, other modes of uh, general revelation um, may be other people uh, when they know, um, uh, when they have a relationship with God and um, they can tell you about him. That might be a form of general revelation. And then the other category is specific revelation. And so these is, um, this is stuff that um, God himself reveals to us. So that can be through, um, like in the old, uh, in the Bible, like dreams and visions. Those are kinds of specific revelation. Um, uh, the tablets um, of the Ten Commandments, that is a very big uh example of that. Um, prophecy uh, and Jesus is the one that I would like to talk about. Jesus is the single most important mode of revelation that we have available to us, the life of Jesus. Um, looking at Jesus is what allows us to know God as Father. Why is that? Well, um, this last year, my theology professor, um, he asked the question of our, um, our, our finite minds, with our finite minds, are we capable of understanding an infinite God? And there was some discussion around that, and we eventually came to the conclusion that, to the conclusion that no, a finite mind cannot grasp an infinite person, an infinite personality. And then um, my professor was like, 
okay, well, then we shouldn't be doing theology class. <laughs> and, um, and from there, he took us to a, um, a uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? He did an exercise with us. And here I wasn't thinking because in my notes I, I have show slides. But there's no slides, so I'll just talk you through it. Um, so what he did was uh, he put a, pic a picture up on the board of, it was a very, very zoomed in um, mechanical pencil sharpener. And we guess, we had to guess what it was, and he showed it, and it was the mechanical pencil, pencil sharpener. And then he showed us um, a picture of those old, you know, um, grindy pencil sharpeners that you old folks are going to know about. And um, and so we guess what that was, and then he said, "Imagine." On on my slides, I actually had a picture of a inline six, so it was a lot a lot cooler, but um, which is an engine, by the way. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, so he took after showing us the picture of the more complicated sharpener, he said, "Imagine that this complicated sharpener is several times the size of the Earth," and. It ha is so complex and has so much um, advanced and alien technology that us as humans would have no chance of understanding even what this thing is supposed to be for. Said, and then he went to say, if we have absolutely no way of knowing what this complicated pencil sharpener is supposed to be for, what is the best way to make us understand? Then he showed us the picture of the little sharpener of the simple one. And he said that that is what Jesus does. He takes the infinitely complex character of God and puts it into a human being, someone that we can personally relate to. And what's cool is that us as Christians, we are the only people who can say that. Other religions don't have a way to really understand their God, but we do. Where am I? Yes. So that takes us to um, Bible verse. And I neglected to bring my, um, my Bible out, so I'm reading from my phone. So... Um, John 14, 6 to 11 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? And do you still not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am, in, I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So, 
who has, we struggle knowing God in our life, do we not? Knowing what he's like. And as Pastor um, Micah said in one of his sermons about uh, God as Father, a natural place that we go for our understanding of God is our own fathers. And that can influence our perception of God. So we may uh, view God as distant and uninterested, if you had, let's say, an absent father. Angry, impossible to please, maybe. But Jesus brings good news. We don't have to keep looking for God, because we have the fullness of who God is in Jesus Christ. So, what are some ideas of what it looks like when we try looking for God in other places. Some people look for truth in ungodly and subjective and worldly ways. Our culture tells us that we have our own truth, that what might be true for you isn't my truth, right? It's my truth. But we know that that's not true. Um, the, our, our society tells us that disagreeing with, with people like the LGDP, L, them, that group, is wrong. And that it is right to accept them. Well, to accept their lifestyle as the right way to live. People can look for God in these subjective ways. Um, even our culture has a lot of definitions of God that just aren't true. Some people say that we are our own gods, that you control your own life. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. From here, I'm going to focus on verses 8 and onward, because that's where Jesus talks about how he reveals the Father. So the context around this verse is, um, so this is where Jesus, Jesus, Philip asks Jesus to show him the Father. And Philip is asking this because he isn't convinced and he's not sure um, and he's hesitant of putting his life in Jesus's hands of fully surrendering his life, um, his entire life, to Jesus. He's not sure if it's worth it. So, he asks for proof. Jesus, if you're really of the Father, show me him. And what does Jesus say? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? Believe me, or else believe in my works. So, what was the works that Jesus was talking about? His power over sin, power over death and resurrection, power over spirits. But, that was not the ideal situation. That's not what Jesus didn't want Philip to believe who Jesus was, believe in Jesus, because of what he had done. So, what was Jesus calling Philip to? He was calling him to believe. 
to have faith in either Jesus or what Jesus did. Our culture defines faith as trusting in something without proof or even despite proof. But that's not a biblical definition of faith. The faith that Christians have isn't dis in Jesus, isn't despite, it's because. A metaphor that I like using is um, um, a mother or a father or a spouse or someone you trust. You don't place your faith in them for no reason. You, you trust them because they've proven that they are trustworthy. You place their faith in them because you know them. It's the same with God. If we just take a look through the Old Testament, we can see that God is worthy of our faith. How many times did he show up for the Israelites when they did not deserve it? He was faithful over and over and over again. And even in my life, in the life of, of in the lives of my family and friends, I can see that God is faithful and that God um, is trustworthy. Philip was hesitant with completely giving over his life to Jesus because he didn't fully understand who Jesus was, that he is completely worthy of our faith. He didn't understand that the Father is in Jesus and, the Jesus, and Jesus is in the Father. So we can be hesitant to give our lives completely over to Jesus. Philip was hesitant because he didn't fully understand who Jesus is. Some of you might be hesitant to give over a specific area of your life because you aren't convinced or don't truly understand who Jesus is. Some people might be uncomfortable with the thought that Jesus is the only way because it's a, it's a bold statement, it's um, exclusive, and it's unpopular and can get a lot of flack in our society. Or maybe you don't believe that Jesus is powerful enough to take care of you and your problems, or that he doesn't care to. Last year, I preached a sermon uh, where I said that all sin can be traced to the beliefs we hold about God. And I still think that is applicable today. So, Philip was told to believe. But faith doesn't encompass everything that Jesus was calling Philip to when he said that. Belief also requires reorientating, reorienting your life around Jesus. A common saying that we say is, even the devil believes in Jesus, right? The belief that we are called to entails a lot more than just recognizing his existence and even recognizing who he is. And belief in Jesus requires action. If you have hesitancies about completely giving your life over to Christ, about truly surrendering yourself to him, speaking from Philip's perspective, he was hesitant because he didn't understand who Jesus is. So a way, a way to walk through that is to discover Christ, discover who Jesus is. And discovering who Jesus is all allows you to discover who the Father is. And if you don't know 
how to, how to discover Christ. There's a lot of godly men and women in this church. There's a lot of godly men on the board. Um, and they, uh, we are blessed with a lot of people who are able and would love to walk you, walk with you on that journey of discovering Christ. But moving past that, now say you do um, believe in Christ, in Jesus, you understand who he is, what then? Belief in Jesus requires action. The verse after, verse 12, says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than me will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So who remembers what Pastor Micah's sermon was last week? Because it was similar to this thought. You get brownie points with, with Micah. Well, it was about... Um, about be, he talked about because... We are adopted into the family of God because we participate in sonship with Christ. We are on a mission. And I really like how Don Congo says this. He says, we inherited the family business. And so, belief in Christ requires action. So, for those of us who already know that Jesus is the image of the Father. For those of us who have a good understanding of who Christ is, perhaps we are missing the implications of that. The belief of who Jesus is transforms our purpose and calling. We are called to continue Christ's work. So, and I'm going to wait as long as I have to, what what does continuing Christ's work look like? What mission are we on? Yep. Spreading the good news of the gospel in Jesus. That's a big part of the, of the Great Commission. Mentoring others. Mentoring others, yes. Yep. I am personally very thankful for um, the quality of mentors we have in this church. Pardon? Following the teachings. Yes, following the teachings. I've been reading more and more about spiritual disciplines. It's definitely part of it. What else? Making disciples, teaching them to do all the things that Christ commanded us to do. Yes, making disciples, teaching them to do everything that Christ commanded us to. Let your life shine before others, so others can see Christ in you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Showing Christ, um, showing Christ in 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 who you are, in uh, in your actions. Showing godly character. Yep. And so, this is what um, I think. Knowing. The, how, how we know God is through Christ. 
is, is, and as Christians, we are called to believe in Christ, to have faith in Christ, and to orient ourselves around him. And that requires action. So, I'm going to pray. I've always believed that the secret to a good sermon is having a good beginning and a good ending, and having the two as close together as possible. So, I'm going to call uh, the worship team up, and we're going to uh, sing our ending song, which is How Deep, yeah, How Deep the Father's Love. And as as we're singing, think about, well, yeah, his love, but what that means for us. If we are called to be continuing Christ's work, and Christ's work is the Father's work, the greatest commandment is, is love the Lord your God and love each other as yourselves. Something to think about. Thank you, Father, for today. Um, thank you for uh, teaching us to, for revealing yourself through your word. I pray, uh, yeah, that your spirit um, would uh, implant and teach us things, Father, uh, that you would shape us and mold us and refine us into your image, God. In your special son's name, Jesus. Amen.